Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight we have Arif Hassan from The Athletic joining us to preview the Vikings and Packers Week 1 matchup. Go grab your Lake Monster beer and enjoy the show. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Skull! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight, we are live from Lake Monster in St. Paul, Minnesota. And like I mentioned in the pre-show, we are joined by Arif Hassan of The Athletic. Arif? How are you tonight? I'm good, I guess. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I, uh, I, I, I feel like we have a, a tall task tonight because I, I saw on Twitter yesterday that you had the most fun on a podcast you've ever had um, yesterday. So Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Miles. What about Miles? Let's get his mic on. Oh, shit. He's, he's on. Oh. Here? Now you are. Sorry. Oh, cool. Thanks for the invite. There you go. <laughs> I liked it better before, actually. Yeah, we can just, if, whenever you want Miles off, you just click that button and he will be gone. Um, joined also tonight by, our, by my normal co-host, Ryan Ortega and Miles Gorham. Ryan, Miles, how are you? What up? Doing great. Doing great. Just got done with football practice and at a speed like 85 all the way here from Lakeville. So that was yeah. fun. Well, well, there goes Ryan. <laughs> nice job. We'll, we'll see you in cuffs later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Hey, it counts as a confession. You know that. Well, that's fine. $100 <laughs> ticket, whatever. We'll My wife's a mandated reporter, so. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Is she watching tonight? Is she going to do me like that? <laughs> Damn. Oh, that's too funny. Um, so, obviously, uh, we, we brought a refund tonight for this live show because it's, it's, a, it's a big game for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, week one to be matched up at home against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, a reviewer at TCO Performance Center today. Is there uh, is there a certain vibe about the team? Like, how are they feeling going into this week? I mean, I think the the team is like relaxed but confident. I think that the change in atmosphere for Mike Zimmer is uh, pretty noticeable. I think that they they very much you know enjoy coming to work. I think is the phrase that's been thrown around a lot in some of the reporting uh, around the the culture shift in the Vikings. You know, and, and I think that means something, right? I think that it means you know you're willing to put in extra time. It means that you're willing to you know develop extra chemistry with your teammates and stuff. But you know, all of that is is kind of going to be background noise once the season actually starts, which you know happens in a couple of days uh and, and i think that that kind of urgency you know to get the season started on the right foot it's a home game it's a divisional rival it counts for a little bit more um I, that i think is, is just kind of taking precedence over any of the other kind of fluff that we talk about well yeah you, you i mean you mentioned the culture a little bit about mike zimmer who is, is now being called satan um himself he's, he's now left left the locker room you know what's kind of funny is that you you throughout this offseason we've had different big bads from the last regime like during the you know, the recent cuts, 
where they're just all crapping on on Rick Spielman and you know how the fact that he had like what his last draft class is just awful, right? But and then there's a report like he must have paid somebody because now there's this report that uh, that, that came out that uh, from what was it Newman Terrence Newman yeah. uh, that just he was not great to work with at Zimmer. So it's like it, it's, there's got to be something going on. Do you have any insights there in terms of just like <laughs> there's like some sort of big bad that's out there? What, what's going on with that? Well, I, I think for one. Last year's draft class, obviously, there were some pretty tremendous disappointments. But I will say that I think that there are some elements of that draft class that they give it kind of a more even grade. I mean, like everyone's pretty positive about Christian Derisaw, so you know, it looks like you nailed the first round pick. Um, you know, people are pretty positive about you know KJ Osborne and Cameron Bynum. You know, I, I think that or not KJ Osborne, um, but but I think that you know if you if you go through it like Patrick Jones, you go through a pick by pick. Yeah, that that third round was pretty brutal. What right? about the second round? What about the second round? What happened? I'm just <laughs> damn it, Reed. This is just a joke. It's a joke. I'm sorry. Uh, but you go through a pick by pick, and I, I think that when when you break it down, you know the draft class might actually provide um, a little bit more value than than we're kind of giving it, just because you know we put a lot of uh, of you know you put, we put a lot on to you know Kellen Mond being a back quarterback that obviously didn't work out. But when you get, you know, a supplementary pass rusher, when you get, you know, some of the elements that you got out of the draft class, the starting left tackle, you know, it ends up looking all right. Um, so I'll say that. The second thing um, is, you know, Mike Zimmer uh, was very flexible in some ways and very inflexible in other ways, right? You know, he had a remarkably adaptive modern defense that reformatted itself basically every year to deal with kind of the realities of the league and the changing nature of the offensive environment. Um, but his way of dealing with people you know, at the beginning, it was kind of a little bit flexible. It was a little bit kind of reactive to the things that he was seeing. Like the way that he dealt with Xavier Rhodes, for example, I thought, you know, showed a particular understanding that every player needs to be dealt with a little bit differently. But, you know, you go later on and he was just a, you know, a little bit more hostile, a little bit more aggressive to players. He was a little bit less understanding of some of the struggles that rookies might go through. He didn't really kind of connect with the fact that, you know, the defense was remarkably different, uh, difficult to learn. Uh, and, he, and he didn't really give the players kind of the leniency they needed in order to kind of adapt to that defense. And so I think it was just as time went on, you know, he became more frustrated with the losses. He became more frustrated with the almost wins. I think that, you know, he became frustrated with feeling like he had a little bit less control of the organization. Um, All of those things combined, I think, just made it difficult for him to kind of be as approachable as a coach as he needs to be, which, you know, he doesn't need to be the world's most approachable coach but you know clearly it wasn't good enough to you know get players to buy in and, and we're seeing kevin o'connell's polar opposite it very much seems like it now i, I wouldn't be shocked if you know it, this time next year we'll, we'll we'll hear some different opinions i mean it, team culture is really what happens when you lose right like we can talk a lot about team culture but everyone has a good team culture when everyone's winning it's it's pretty rare you know, maybe that Seattle Seahawks team that had a fight right before the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> maybe that's the only time. But um, it, it's pretty rare. I wish we could have that. I'll, I'll right? take a fight before the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, no, that would be nice. That would be nice. Um, but I, I think that, for the most part, we're not going to find out kind of what kind of coach Kevin O'Connell is, especially how he relates to players, until it comes to difficult decisions, until it comes to, you know, dealing with multiple losses, until it comes to, you know, throwing up your hands and realizing that you don't control everything in the world, even though you're the head coach. And so... Um, those are the kinds of things that will test these questions about whether or not O'Connell is really a sea change, you know, for Mike Zimmer. And, you know, my instinct is to say that he is. 
but you can't really figure out, you know, what kind of people, you know, somebody in charge is until they're in charge of a sinking ship. Well, so I had a quick question. We're talking about Zim. Is this about what you mentioned pre, pre-show? Uh, maybe a little bit. So like Kevin O'Connell and, and Mike Zimmer, definitely polar opposite type coaches. But the one thing that we've learned or we've heard about Kevin O'Connell is like, what can he do to like accelerate or, or improve the offense? Because we know the last few years, whether the offense has been mediocre, good, above average, you know, whatever you want to call it, they've they've built their they they built their offense around Kirk Cousins in a way that the best fit, fit his skill set, which was run the run the ball, play action, get the ball into your playmaker's hands. Um, this offense is a little different than that, where it's going to ask the quarterback to do a little bit more. So my question to you, Reef, is like based off you being out there a lot and and seeing some of the changes. How much difference should we expect to see in an offense, and how what what kind of like, I guess like true ceiling do you expect to see with some of the new innovation of the offense compared to what we previously previously seen? Because in my opinion, on game day, people are going to see a lot of what what the, what they've seen the last few years and be like, that looks very similar. So like, what what can fans like from the outside looking in kind of like dictate that's different, or like and that can maybe improve. Sure. I, I think there's a couple of things that are different. I think it's still going to be a heavy play action offense. So, you know, that's going to be familiar. The play actions are going to look the same. The running scheme is going to be the same. It's going to look very similar. And so from that, you know, that perspective, it might seem you know, like it's a very similar offense, but they're going to, you know, play around with formation and personnel a little bit more. You're not always going to be in heavy. You're not always going to be tight and condensed formations. You're going to spread it out sometimes. You're going to condense it other times. You're going to motion a lot more, I think, before the snap. And so that kind of, you know, trickery, the eye candy that, that you know, can make defenses bite the wrong way, you know, that's going to come up a lot more often. And I think you're just going to, you're going to see an offense that's going to feel like it's flowing faster, even with all of the same players, right? I, I think that they're probably going to get the snap off a little bit quicker because, you know, last year's offense and the offense of the past couple of years had Kirk, you know, survey right. the field forever and ever and ever. And, and I think you're going to see a little bit more tempo introduced into the game. Um, and, you know, a lot of offensive coordinators will talk about making sure that defenses defend every blade of grass, right? You know, making sure that, not only do they have to defend 30, 40, 50 yards downfield, but also making sure that they defend the 53 and a third yards, you know, that are horizontal, making sure that they have the ability to get to tacklers there. And and while most offenses and most offensive coordinators will talk about it, they don't implement their offenses in a way that, you know, make it seem like that's a priority. And, and here, I think what we've seen is that that is going to be something that we're going to see a lot more of. We're not just going to see a couple more deep shots, which I think we will. We're also going to see, you know, more use of the perimeter. I mean, I think the Vikings basically only had, you know, two screen passes in their arsenal last year. You yeah. know, running back tunnel screen and a wide receiver smoke, right? And I think we're probably going to see a couple more types of screen passes. I think we're going to see a couple more ways to get to the edge. I think we're going to see, you know, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson do, you know, these tap passes or sweeps a little bit more often. Is that so, how we got like Jalen Rager too? Because he kind of fits that skill set. Like he's yeah. not a guy that he might not be your prototypical, prototypical like wide receiver one. He was. Yes, we know the whole story. He's right. drafted Jefferson, but like his skill set fits a little bit more of that gadget type. Get the ball in his hands, let him let him move a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a returner, right? Right. And so if you can get that guy into space with the ball in his hands, you know, assuming he has the confidence he needs to play ball the right way, um, you know, he he has the ability to make people miss. He has the ability to be explosive. He has a good first step. Or I, I should say he showed a good first step in college. You, know, you watch right. some of the Eagle stuff, and, and some of that looks like it's been sapped away. So hopefully he still has it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a perfect fit for that kind of role. I mean, you know, before the Vikings cut Amir Smith Marset, he'd be a perfect fit, right. you know, for some of the some of the perimeter stuff that we've been talking about, and you know, Rager kind of fits within that as well. And so I, I think that we'll see a lot of that. I think we'll just see 
a lot more throwing the ball in general, uh, you know, in situations where, you know, you could either run or pass. Um, and, where they would always run. Where they would always <laughs> run, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think you're going to see just kind of more people touching the ball, you know, with, with you know, different pass catchers available. And I think you're going to see, you know, an offense that, that feels like it's flowing a little bit more than an offense that feels like it's resetting, you know, every couple of plays. So be, before we get to the, like, the crux of the conversation here, Packers game, obviously, right? Last time you and I got to have a conversation live here, um, we talked about the draft classes right after draft. You didn't like the Asamoah pick. I did not. Do you still not like the Asamoah pick? I mean, it, it's it's tough, right? I mean, he's going to be the third linebacker, and we're not going to see him on the field because their base package puts a defensive lineman on the field, not a linebacker. And so it's going to be a second, you know, before we see what he does. I, I always expected him to be a good special teamer, uh, and, and I'll, I'll continue to expect that based off of what we saw. Um, but the things that I was worried about for him, some of those, you know, turned up in the preseason and training camp. I do think that, you know, when blockers get their hands on him, he has the ability to or he doesn't have the ability to get out of it. He collapses a little right. bit against the run. Um, but some of the stuff that I was worried about, you know, otherwise, you know, he's been doing pretty well at it. I think that his play diagnosis um, his play diagnosis has been good. His instincts have been good. Off and on, honestly. The yeah. way that he goes about it, I think, is is kind of – because he's undisciplined in his approach, right? right? Like, he knows it's a running play, and he'll shoot the gap, and it's the wrong gap, right? Right. That's not a play diagnosis issue. That's, you know, fitting within the structure of the defense. And so, um, you know, he needs to do that a little bit more. And, you know, that's not too surprising. Most college defenses allow, you know, their fastest players to kind of freelance and everyone else to just kind of adapt to what they're doing. Um, but I, I, I think that there, he just has so much to learn. I think his coverage skills, um, well, well, better than I thought, are still kind of a liability. Um, and, and I think his ability to get to landmarks and, and understand complex defenses, that's going to have to grow after a little bit of time. But he is running, you know, faster than I thought. He is getting to you know, some of his coverage uh, assignments a little bit better than I thought. But I still think there's a lot for him to learn. Sure. Yeah. And, and I agree with uh, some of that. I agree with some of that. You're I, never going to fully convince and, him. Well, no. And oh honestly, I do. I agree with a lot yeah. of what you said. I don't think he's ready to start by any means. Do I think he could step in, let's say Jordan Hicks or Eric Hendricks gets nicked up? Can he start for a game or two? I think we, he, I think he'd be okay. I think he'd be better than Eric Wilson. He'd be better than Eric Wilson. He probably, he's definitely going to be better than Troy Dye and Blake Lynch like we had last year, right? And, and those I don't know about Blake Lynch. I, I think Blake Lynch played well, well enough. Well, he got cut for a reason, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, Who's still on the roster? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but uh, to, to your point, he's got a lot to learn. Hopefully he, uh, Kendricks can maybe take him under his wing and kind of be the heir apparent there. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to be the plan or not. Um, but from what we've seen – and from your analysis, which again I respect your analysis a lot, a good deal. I told Except you when it comes to Brian Osimo. Yeah, I told you right. pre-show. I told you pre-show that I respect your a lot of your stuff. Um, but not all of it. But <laughs> not all of it, of course. But um, I was happy to learn that, or at least see, at least with my own eyes, some of the things that you saw in terms of a little better here, a little better there. Still needs some work, but he's he's going to get there. So uh, I, I'm excited that we kept him. I'm excited he earned that third spot. And, again, I do think he's a future linebacker here. No, that's a good point. He did earn that third spot, right? I mean, last year you saw those third-rounders, you know, make the team. And it's like, well, they make the team because they're third-round rookies, right? Yeah. You know, it's the next year where they're going to have to demonstrate. You know, they provide something of value. Like, Chess Rat never saw the field, right? And I, I don't expect that to be the case for Brian Asamoah. I think that he earned the spot. I thought that he did better than almost every other backup linebacker in camp and that there was no question that if it had not been for draft capital that he would have still made the team. So 
not that I don't love this this talk, but the, the purpose of this week is the Vikings and the Packers. Thank you, Matt. So, yeah. Well, I didn't send the show notes to you, but yes, it, it, <laughs> it, it definitely is. So uh, let's start breaking that down and, uh, you know, take your sip of beer and then get ready to, to chat again. Because I want to ask you um, just about, like, your, your overall concerns heading into this game. So I feel like a lot of Viking fans, me especially, I think, my co-host maybe not so much, are very optimistic about this season and almost very optimistic about this game. Just define very though. Like what kind of optimistic? Like I, some people say that and they're like, like a, like a realist optimist or like a, well, I don't view you that way. So, okay. Some people will say they're Ryan very optimistic does. and then they're like, the Vikings are going to win nine games. I'm like, that's not like, I'm not, and I'm, <laughs> that's, I, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Like, I think, you know, nine, 10 yeah. wins. I'm not saying that's like a bad thing for a, a new regime. And We're everything. digressing on the topic, but I'm just asking you the question. Yeah, I'll answer it after the show. Anyway, um, so my, my question is, what kind of concerns do you have heading into this this week one matchup versus the Packers? Sure. Well, I, I think that um, the Packers defensive unit, there's just that overall group, um, for most of the offseason had gone overlooked. Now that the Vikings are actually about to play them, a lot of people have been talking them up, and I think that that's appropriate. It's a really good group. Um, but just in terms of how it matches up, I have some concerns, right? Because you've got players, you know, like Rashawn Gary. Like, Gary is going to attempt to take on this Darius Smith role. I don't know how successful he'll be at that. But, you know, he will, on third downs, attempt to attack guards and centers, right? Which is not really where the Vikings have, you know, the most pass protection talent on the planet. So, um, you know, th- those are concerns. I think that, you know, while Jair Alexander probably doesn't match up super well against Justin Jefferson, I think, you know, he's the kind of player that could make Kirk Cousins hesitate on on making a throw that he needs to make. And, and Cousins might decline that option and go somewhere else. Right. And and that group has so much speed now. Now, especially now that they've drafted like, you know, Devontae Wyatt, who you know he's going to be a rotational guy. He's not going to start. Um, and Quay Walker, who's got a bunch of straight line speed. Um, Devondra Campbell, you know, all pro type year. I, I, I think that the amount of speed that they have on the field could be dangerous for the Vikings um, in a way that won't allow them to kind of really kind of fully flex their muscles offensively with the new offense they have. I think if this occurred in the middle of the season, I wouldn't have, you know, as much of a concern. But I think that, you know, seeing seeing that unit kind of fly around might make it difficult for the offense to be as confident in what it needs to do in some of its kind of most intricate features. So that's one concern. Uh, but I, I think that just generally speaking, I mean, you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback and you've got, you know, your first defense not coordinated by Mike Zimmer in seven years. You know, Mike Zimmer's done a really good job holding Aaron Rodgers down over the mm-hmm. past couple of years. And, and I think that people are overestimating the Vikings defense just in general because, you know, they expect, you know, some serious problems to be fixed, like the end of half, you know, problem that the, the yes. defense had. Yes. Um, but they're, they're not expecting changes to occur in other elements that Mike Zimmer was good at. I mean, the Vikings were still good on third down last year, which it doesn't feel right, but it was true. Yeah. Uh, and, and Mike Zimmer might be the best third down defensive coordinator in history. I mean, the Vikings have is it two of the top three third down conversion rates in NFL history? And that's because of Mike Zimmer. Yeah. Um, that isn't going to be there anymore. You're going to have some of the same players, but a lot of it had to do with play design. So I'm a little bit worried about, you know, kind of what that might mean with an elite quarterback, obviously without the high level receiving talent of Devontae Adams and to some extent, Marquez Valdez Scantling, things are going to change. But I think for the most part, if, if, if you can't win on third down, Vikings fans are going to be, because they've gotten spoiled. They've gotten really used to what it's like to win on third down. They're used to like 25%, 30% third down conversion rates, and that's probably going to change. Miles, Ryan, do you, do you feel you, you share the same concerns here? Yeah, I think for me that the defense, the Vikings defense is the one that concerns me the most just because it's an unknown. We It's a completely new new defense. 
Um, brand new scheme, new coaches. To Therese's point, Mike Zimmer's not here, so like we can't rely on that anymore. So we don't, we just don't know. And the the amount of players that they brought in to like help improve the defense isn't vast. Like they didn't, they didn't, they brought Harrison Phillips to replace. Um, how do I? I'm even blanking on his name. Uh, Michael Pierce. Thank you. And and so like. They didn't like really bring many guys in to like truly improve this year. They brought in guys and drafted guys for the long term, but I don't know how much it's going to actually improve. So that's a TBD. So that's one of those situations I'm going into week one against the Packers and Rodgers, just being like, I don't know. Like they could hang 40 on the Vikings and I wouldn't be surprised. Like it's kind of one of those situations. So like they could, um, and if the Vikings could find a way to like hold them to 14 points and it'd be like, okay, I kind of get it because there is talent on the defense. It's just, we just don't, we just don't know. Like that's the, that's the whole thing. And so the defense is the thing that, that very much is, um, worries me. And, and Kevin O'Connell, I was talking to Matt about this before the show. Yeah. What, like, I'm, I'm excited about Kevin O'Connell being the, the head coach. I'm excited for him to be the, the play caller and the innovator of the, of the offense. What we don't know is like how good he's actually going to be. Um, not even because he hasn't called many plays in the past. It's more so like, Everybody has this idea of what a McVay coach is. And so, like, for me, like, that could be more Zach Taylor. And Zach Taylor isn't that great. Um, he's a good coach. I mean, but he got Joe Burrow. He's got, you know, good weapons. So, like, we don't exactly know what Kevin O'Connell is going to be. And so how does he how does he do in some of those key situations that, like, where Kirk Cousins needs the most help, where um, you need to make sure Justin Jefferson is actually getting the ball in, in these key situations, those types of things that we didn't see in the past. Like, can, can Kevin O'Connell overcome and – and be a play caller like that. So those are those are the few things for me. I'm a little like excited, but also like not sure. Yeah, and I think I'm also just curious about just Kevin O'Connell's like basic game management. Right. Like I think Zimmer right. was so poor at that and never ever like really improved. Like that was like horrible because he was so focused on the defense too, right? Right. 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 But I will say, didn't didn't O'Connell hire uh, like a game manager, right. clock manager? And, and, that, and that was something that Zimmer, when asked specifically about, kind right. of resisted the idea of. Um, yeah, Kevin O'Connell hired uh, someone whose sole job it is is to, you know, deal with those kinds of game management situations. Obviously, O'Connell's going to always have the final right. say, but having someone in your ear tell you, hey, it's a good time to take a timeout, right. um, allows you to kind of not have to find ways to spend the mental bandwidth on game flow and game state and focus on, you know, this is the right play to call or, hey, this is kind of a, a developing situation from a chemistry perspective I'm going to have to deal with or, hey, the referee is doing this sort of thing, so we need to inform our players. You know, all of those things that pop up in a game that a head coach or a position coach might want to take care of, um, you know, those are things that he's always going to want to spend some bandwidth on. And then, of course, he's also calling plays and he has to be concerned about play sequencing. So, you know, knowing the number of timeouts you have, knowing kind of what time's left in the clock, knowing if you should call a timeout before or after the two-minute warning, you know, those kinds of things. Having that be given to someone else whose sole job it is to understand that, to, you know, watch replays to see if they should challenge, you know, those kinds of things. You know, I think that that's going to be big, but I still think because it ultimately falls on him and he's going to have to make the choices on fourth down, he's going to have to make the choices uh, about two-point conversions and stuff like that. Having kind of all of that in his head while he's still trying to call plays, you know, that's still going to be kind of an ongoing concern. Yeah. Uh, Ryan just bailed on us for for the show here. Classic. He's been he's been doing a fantasy draft this whole time. He's been talking with the guests. Which thank Speaking you for of, joining. I, I got five minutes, so yeah. So that's just just gonna be. This is just gonna be Norse code. We should have called up your your host for oh, this because yeah, yeah. it, it's just gonna be you talking. <laughs> no, um, Reef's doing the solo show. 
Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour. Here's, a, here's Arifa's on. Hating one beer. Yeah. We can get you another one if you want. I'm about to go get one. Do you want one? Yeah, sure. What do you want? Whatever. Okay. Uh, I'm going to come back and he's going to fucking hate me for it, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, th- I think this would be a good, uh, good time to say uh, everybody who's joining us in the chat uh, via YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're watching this live stream uh, or listening on the podcast, thank you so much. If you haven't yet, head over, head, over, head over to Climb in the Pockets YouTube page, like and subscribe. We'll be here every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., not necessarily here at Lake Monster, but live on the air um, through the rest of the season. So, um. We talked about the concerns heading into the game, uh, and you kind of highlighted a couple, you know, brief matchups, uh, you know, with Justin Jefferson and, and, and so forth. But what are some other matchups you're kind of watching as we head into this game? I think obviously the big ones, just Zadarius Smith versus the Packers, and he's kind of being coined the new Greg Jennings on the on the Green Bay side. Of course. Um, but what, what kind of matchups are you looking for as we head into Sunday's game? Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be, what, Elton Jenkins at right tackle. David Bakhtiari is probably going to be helping enough to play left tackle. Um, Alan Lazard's kind of the only injury concern I think the Packers have right now. He didn't um, practice today. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so it, someone stepped on his foot last week, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I think that if we assume that their offensive line is like, um, I forget the center's name, Myers or something like that, Jonathan Runyon, Elton Jenkins, and David Bakhtiari and Zach Tom, who looked great in the preseason. You know, if we assume that's the offensive line, then um, I'm kind of interested in how that's going to match up from a run blocking perspective because the Packers do like to run the ball. I mean, I think that, you know, people in the division kind of recognize that the Packers do love to run the ball a lot, but I think outside of it, people forget. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, but they also not only have two starting quality running backs, they signed one for, you know, an additional deal. Right. Like, it's big time money. um, So, I, I think that how they deal with, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson and Harrison uh, Phillips up front, that's going to be interesting because I thought that Harrison Phillips had a tremendous preseason. You know, I, I, I was optimistic about the signing. I thought it was a really good signing. And then I, I watched him in the preseason or in, in training camp, rather. And, and I was even more optimistic. I thought it was a great signing. I thought that he, you know, looked tremendous, you know, getting off of blocks and disrupting the pocket and making sure that, you know, the run defense was going to be solid. I thought Dalvin Tomlinson did a really fantastic job, you know, demonstrating his run blocking chops. I think this is a much better fit for him defensively than last year. Um, and so how that matches up, I think, is going to be, you know, pretty big. Um, so, you know, that's that's one matchup that I think is going to, is going to matter a lot. Um, I don't really know how the Vikings plan to kind of distribute the cornerback receiver snaps. I assume, you know, it's not going to be matchup oriented. I assume it's going to be sides. But, you know, I, I don't know. You know, if they see... You know, Sammy Watkins is a particular threat. Well, I mean, that would be kind of funny. But if they see Sammy Watkins as a particular threat, you know, they might want to isolate Patrick Peterson on them. If they see, you know, a good matchup against Romeo Dubs, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see if, you know, hey, maybe, you know, a bigger guy like Cameron Dantzler, a phrase you don't often hear, I guess, uh, you know, might be able to match up against Dubs. Um, those kinds of matchups to me um, are interesting because I, I think we just don't know the answers to them. Um, how the Vikings choose to deploy, you know, the defensive back rotations they have, you know, that might end up being more important than any individual matchups that we can identify because it's going to define what that front looks like. It's going to define how talented they think they are. Like, if we don't see Lewisine take the field in three safety rotations, that might either mean that, that Lewisine has some injury concerns. We saw him, like, wrapped up with some ice around his knee last week. Um, or it might mean that he's just not ready to contribute to the defense, which would be a pretty big concern, Well, too. I was going to ask concern, you about yeah. Booth with that because we saw on the unofficial, official right. one depth chart – they bottom of the depth chart behind Caleb the, Evans. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's more injury related? Do you think that's just 
Because what we heard before the injury was he was looking good and those types of things. But he hasn't you, practiced in a while. Right. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't practiced in a while. I would I would say instead of looking good, he looked exciting, I right, think is right. maybe the better way to yeah, put yeah. it. Um, I, I'm really curious about that because he ran ahead of Caleb Evans, uh, you know, whenever he was healthy enough to, to participate in practices. Um, and I don't know, because most of the rest of the depth chart is, is accurate, right? And so it's right. difficult to say this is just kind of, um, you know, the PR putting out a depth chart. And, because if PR puts out a depth chart, they're certainly going to put they have an agenda. Are you saying the PR team has an agenda? Well, I'm just saying if, if you're going to make a guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so that that one's interesting to me. I don't know kind of what that is about. Maybe they expect to see Caleb Evans take the field more on special teams. You know, right. and maybe they're just like, hey, he's getting more snaps, so we're just going to put him there. I don't know what that's about. Well, but, or does that, like, indicate maybe because Booth's been banged up, does he maybe not even dress week one? Just as, like, I mean, a, Certainly a possibility. Right? Yeah, because absolutely. I was looking at some of the like depth pieces and the way they had the like the semicolons for the players that like yeah. aren't gonna play. Like, are those the the guys that don't dress in the forty six? Like, we we don't know obviously, but those are some of the things. Like Jalen Naylor, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Naylor didn't dress. I know that'd right. be only four wide receivers, but I wouldn't I, be surprised. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me at all. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know how to you know handle what that depth chart looks like just because. Um, we don't know how this offensive staff operates, how this defensive right. staff operates, how they decide to kind of, you know, take control of some of the, the messaging utilities they have available to them. So um, I, I don't know kind of what the depth chart signifies, but I did notice that, you know, that, that Andrew Booth was, was at the bottom that, you know, despite the fact that Rager showed up like a, a half a week ago that, you know, he's ahead of Jalen Naylor on the depth chart, those kinds of things. Uh, that Jonathan Bullard was the starter. Um, th- those and are all he's kind of banged up too, right? Yeah, well, yeah, he's the only one on the, on the injury report proper. Um, I don't know. I'd probably expect him to play. Yeah. Um, well, I, I say proper because this is not to accuse the Vikings specifically of uh, any chicanery, but I think every team does this, right? Where, where if there are injuries that they that they want to hide, so long as the players are full participant in practice, they're not going to do anything about it. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was going to ask the same thing around Andrew Booth, just kind of where he's at. Um, was he practicing today? I think he was limited. Um, in the practice today, have you seen anything to show that he's getting close to full health? Because um, he was honestly outside of Osamoa for fan bias perspective, he was my most excited pick. I was. Uh, no, I, I thought that was a phenomenal pick, right? Um, my understanding is that he was a full participant in practice, so I don't, I don't know, you know, if he was limited. I'm, you've got a computer in front of you, so I'm sure you can pull it up. But um, doing a uh, auction draft right now, so we got auction. more important things. <laughs> auction, you pay less attention to auction. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that um, B- Booth is really exciting because he made some of the most dynamic plays in training camp. But he also made some pretty fundamental errors throughout, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, kind of just missing your your zone transitions and your handoffs to to other members of the secondary, missing, you know, kind of which double moves, you know, receivers are setting up, missing kind of what, uh, where to float in a zone to make sure you cut off the most likely routes and stuff like that. You know, those are some pretty fundamental errors that he made that led to big gains by, you know, either the first or second team offense against him, while he also made some pretty acrobatic catches. He made some acrobatic deflections and stuff like that. So... Um, you know, his athletic potential is clearly there. He clearly has an instinct for playing cornerback, but whether or not he can turn that instinct into kind of uh, a fluid understanding of how that defense is supposed to operate, you know, that's kind of the next question. And it very much feels like, you know, if I were to justify Caleb Evans being above him on the depth chart, I think the way I would do it is to say that Evans probably understands that defense a, a little bit more, or at least a little bit faster. Going back to uh, back to the offense, talking rookies still, 
so the, the, the Vikings obviously got rid of Amir um, Smith-Marset and when they traded for Jalen Rager, and they have Jalen Naylor. They kept Jalen Naylor around their six-round pick. The Vikings only have five receivers on the on the 53-man roster right now with a, a team that's going to run a lot of 11 personnel with K.J. Osborne, Adam Thielen, and, and Justin Jefferson. I expect Rieger to get in the mix a little bit. What Was that like a surprise to you that they didn't keep more receivers and that they're, with the anticipation of playing more receivers, only keeping five feels a little like off to me? Maybe I don't know. I guess I, I think in my last 53-man projection, I, I also only kept five. Um, but I was kind of on that train for a little while. I had uh, seven receivers on one of my depth charts. It's kind of like a, a bold prediction type. Well, like know, a Dan Chisna making it for like right, special teams. Right, right, exactly. You know, that sort of thing. Um, uh, and, but most of the time I had six, right, because I thought six was a pretty reasonable number for the type of offense that they were going to run. But I've, I've seen, you know, teams with three wide receivers on their on their week one roster only have four receivers, right? Sure. Um, and so it is, it is you know, something that, that happens in, in, in these types of offenses, even though it's kind of rare. And it is a concern for the Vikings. I was surprised. I'm pretty confident the Vikings would have wanted him to make it all the way to the practice squad. I think that's just a, a clear miscalculation. I think Jalen Jan, Naylor would have, right? So I, I think that they or kind even of like a Vidarian low. That one was, right. that, I think that one surprised me the most. Is like, yeah, because they've, they've got multiple tackle capable yeah, players, right? right? Um, right. Even, even though they traded away Jesse Davis, who's nominally tackle capable, <laughs> right? Um, they, they had multiple players available and willing to play tackle because right. they had both Oliudo and Blake Brandell. And so you didn't really need him to dress on game day. And even if you did, you can do that from the practice squad, right? Now. So, right. Um, I thought that that was a, a really curious decision. I don't know kind of what was the reasoning behind it, but um, I guess I guess to the extent that you know I don't have the knowledge, um, I, I disagreed with it. I thought that they they made a poor decision there, um, but you know we'll see. I'm just like my my ADHD is kicking in here because I got Kanye coming through the speakers. <laughs> I got I got comments flying on the screen, so I'm just like trying to figure out where I should go with my next move here. Um, did you did you guys talk about like matchups we can exploit on the Vikings like to the Packers? Well, sh- I mean, that. Justin Jefferson Some stuff happening in the background there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that I mean the way to to kind of exploit a Justin Jefferson matchup is to force them to either declare that they're committing more defenders to that side of the ball wherever Justin Jefferson is lining up, or you know make them work for it, make them work for their single coverage if that's what they're going to do. Um, you know, he's he's trying to become the best receiver in the NFL, and, and certainly he has a credible claim to it. We'll see if, you know, by the end of the year, you know, that's something that analysts agree on. But in the meantime, you know, the Vikings are going to treat him like he's in contention for that title, and so they're going to put him up against um, receivers in difficult situations, or cornerbacks in difficult situations. Uh, and in those difficult situations, we're going to expect to see, you know, Jefferson come out on top more often than not. That's the job of being a number one receiver. And I think that what you're going to see is probably, um, you know, s- the same thing that, like, the – the San Francisco 49ers might do with George Kittle, which is they'll isolate, you know, kind of their, their most favored receiving option on one side, and then they'll put a bunch on the other side, right? They, they might put, you know, two receivers on the other side with a tight end. They might put one receiver out there with a tight end or running back. I mean, who knows what, what stuff they're going to cook up. But I think that they're going to force uh, defenses to declare that they're double teaming or single teaming from before the snap, and then the Vikings can kind of adjust what that offense is going to look like based on that defensive look. And if they don't put extra defenders on the side of a bunch, that you might just throw a screen there, right? Like you might right. just say, hey, we've got the numbers, we've got the blockers, let's go. Um, the Vikings have very good blockers in their skill position group. I think that's kind of a unique talent that they'll try to take advantage of, and it's something that the Rams had. Um, and Here's and my question on, on that. Like, So that's that's up to Kirk. That, that, those are decisions. I think this offense is going to yeah. be more driven by Kirk 
in the quarterback than we've seen in the past. My question is, like, do you see – and this isn't, a, like, a slight on Kirk. I think Kirk's a very good quarterback, but, like, he's not – the offenses the Vikings have put out the last few years has been to his benefit, but he hasn't had to make some of these types of decisions pre-snap. Do, how do you feel he would adapt to those types of decisions? Because because how his brain operates <laughs> – He's, right. he's, he's very much like a, a calculated type person, right? So right. how do you think he operates in this type of environment? I think as a pre-snap quarterback, he is one of the better ones out there. I think that he is really excellent at identifying what he needs to do before the snap. Um, actually, I think that was kind of one area where Stephen Ruiz, I think the ringer put out the quarterback rankings today. Yeah, um, That was one area that Stephen Ruiz ranked Kirk Cousins very highly in. Um, and there was like one or two throwaway lines over the course of this offseason from the coaching staff and from Kirk that seemed to imply that, yeah, he's going to have a lot more control of how this offense is going to operate. Um, you know, we didn't focus on it too much. Don't know why. I'm a member of the media. Maybe I should do my job. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, that was that, w- that was something that was kind of interesting. And it even extended all the way to protections where, you know, they said, hey, the center makes all the protections, but, you know, the quarterback has better eyes. You know, he's he gets to see the whole defense. And so he's always going to have veto power over what that protection is going to look like. Um, and so – you know, knowing that the responsibility for, for Kirk is there, the ability to change plays, it kind of depends on how they game plan, whether or not, you know, they go into the huddle with two plays, which, you know, some quarterbacks do, and then they get to pick the play, whether or not they've got right. uh, some automatic kills in, in, in the offense that you'll always be able to go to, uh, whether or not you've got, you know, some, some code words that you'd be able to choose. You know, every, every game we've got, you know, these six plays in our back pocket, and when we yell this code word, that's going to be one of those six plays. You know, there's a lot of ways to do it, and I'm kind of curious how they're going to do it, and, you know, maybe they're not going to tell us, but I think that that is going to allow him to make those decisions that we were talking about where the defense declares, like, hey, we're going to double Justin Jefferson. Kirk sees that. He sees a screen opportunity, you know, with blockers in a bunch formation. He's going to throw it to uh, Adam Thielen, who's going to be able to, to run it after the catch behind KJ Osborne and CJ Ham or something like that. And I think that is a matchup you can take advantage of. I could listen to you explain football like almost every waking hour, I think. <laughs> and I don't know why. Yeah. I have, yeah. Whenever you uh, want to do just like breaking down of when you, when you explained uh, the three, four defense to us last time you were on, I like went back and watched that clip like three or four different times. I was just so enamored at the. You have to understand. I'm Minnesotan, so I have no idea how to respond to compliments. Okay. Well, <laughs> to the next topic. <laughs> yeah, you got to yeah, you got you to like uh, insult him. Oh yeah, yeah it's, it's the shit. only way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate welcome. it. Um, before we move on Jump to 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 the lightning round here, which <laughs> <laughs> Dave, make sure this episode in particular is marked for adults only. <laughs> um, before we head into the lightning round, which is something we do in the regular season here on Vikings Happy Hour. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about what, what you think are the keys to victory for the Vikings as we head into this week's game. So um, I'll let Arif take a break here. And I know Miles is deep in his auction draft, so I'm going to defer to Ryan first. Um, Ryan, what are your keys to victory this week? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 
like I'm not deep in an auction draft myself. We just but, don't care about your yeah, option. Yeah, draft. yeah, yeah. I, to be I fair, Miles just started. You're like, who are you up with? Who's up right now? Bateman, your boy. All right, and well, I kind of want him, but anyway, uh, throw a couple of dollars to the gopher, yeah, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw five. All right, there we go. Wow. Um, so keys to victory. You know, I, I think there's a lot to work with here, just because I think that there is an opportunity to win this game. Oh, you guys want me to bid seven? I'll yeah. bid seven. All right, that's my max. I don't like Bateman that much. Um, <laughs> I'm not a Minnesota guy. If you went to Oklahoma, you. All right, Arif. What are your? Uh, <laughs> See, this is the power oh, of live shows. Beautiful. I can That's do this incredible. right here. That. All right, Ryan, go ahead. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, so keys to victory. I, I think there are a lot of there's going to be a lot of opportunity here. Just looking at the matchups that we have, and I know that they have the better defense, and I know they have the better quarterback, but they don't have the better receivers, and I'm not fully confident in their cornerback depth. Obviously, Jair Alexander is good. Jefferson has exposed him before. He will again. And he's coming off an injury. He will again. He will again. And he's coming off an injury, which, you know, we haven't seen him play in a while. Like, where's the confidence for him at right now? Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for our offense to stake a claim at, at, at the fact that the Minnesota Vikings are now an offensive team that has creativity, that has the gumption to really drive forward with just that winning culture of I'm not going to let the foot off the gas like we've done in the past. We're not going to play ball control offense. We're going to go and try to score every single time we touch that field, unless we're up like 35, 40 or whatever, you know, but I, I think Against that the Packers, I'd still like to see it. Well, that, that would be hard to, to see, but if we can get there, let's, let's fucking go. Right. (laughs) Like, like why, why would we, why would we not take that opportunity? So I think we have an opportunity to really not only exploit that, the the secondary there, just because I think Kirk Cousins is a very accurate quarterback. And I think our receiving options are very, very solid, but I I do think that there's going to be some opportunity for us to, on the flip side, Pat Pete, Cam Dantzler with his newfound confidence, and and then you know etc. Whoever else, Chan and Sullivan maybe revenge game. Right. Chan and Sullivan maybe revenge <laughs> game to to really lock down the the lack of quality depth that they have at receiver because Sammy Watkins is good for one game. Unfortunately, it usually is only the first game of the year, but he's only good for one game of the year. And then Romeo Dubes, we don't know what he is. He, he's he's a training Dubes Dubs. I don't know how to say his name. He he's training camp star. Sure, that's great. What's going to happen in real games? Christian Watson has barely been on the field. Can Aaron Rodgers continue to make these receivers great, or is he at the point in his career where he does need a Devontae Adams, who is arguably the best route runner in the league and probably the best receiver in the league? Outside of Stephon Diggs. Sure. Um, So I'll say this. I think the last time that we saw Aaron Rodgers without a dominant number one, right, when Jordy Nelson was injured, you know, he struggled a lot. In fact, he struggled enough for us to say, hey – is Aaron Rodgers washed, right? on the decline. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that didn't turn out to be the case, right? He he put up, you know, an MVP season or two (laughs) afterwards, but... um, But after he got a number one receiver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Um, you're saying Devontae Adams made Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's that's how you should think of it. And you did scoff and laugh at when I said, how do you say his last name? It's Dubs. Is it Dubs? Yeah. Dubs. Like wins. My bad. Why would I care about (laughs) pronunciation of other, especially attackers? Fuck that. On an audio medium? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Ryan. Come on. 
we're professionals here. Right. <laughs> and she just like leave to talk to random people in the middle of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so I, I think that one thing to keep in mind is that Devonte Adams was a really bad receiver before he became a phenomenal receiver. Right. Um, his, uh, his play was marked by an inability to get off the release, which is interesting because I think was he at Fresno State? I think that was one of his strengths uh, coming out of college. So it was kind of interesting he couldn't do that. He dropped the ball constantly, um, and, and he had issues getting to his landmark, and then he became the best receiver in the league, right? And, you know, in theory, you know, somebody on the Packers could step up to do that. My biggest concern is if somehow that became Amari Rodgers. Um, first, because it'd be very annoying to deal with the name-name combination there, right? Um, but, <laughs> Rogers but, to Rogers, right? But second, it's like kind of the same trajectory, right? Because Amari Rogers was an enormous disappointment, right? I, I think that they expected a lot more out of him; they didn't get it. Um, and if he kind of refines the approach in the same way Devonte Adams does, which you know, I, I imagine it doesn't happen for everybody, right? But um, you know, there's that possibility, right? That someone's going to emerge out of that and become a really good player. I mean, Devondre Campbell did the same thing at linebacker for the Packers, right? So um, it's always possible that that could happen. And I think that there's enough like of a reservoir of talent for that to kind of emerge. Like I don't expect that, for example, of Randall Cobb, he's cooked. Um, and it seems unlikely for Sammy Watkins, although I've always been kind of a fan of him. I've always felt like he's You been, cheer for him. You well, cheer I mean, for him, but, and then it's always week one. It's well, always week one. Well, it's not, it's not just that. It's that I think that when you see him operate like in the Los Angeles Rams offense, like midway through the season – yeah, he's only getting like, you know, three receptions for 40 yards or something disappointing like that. But, you know, watching him play, you can see why he was, you know, you know, tapped as such a talented receiver. He does, you know, some really excellent stuff that I think um, when push comes to shove, he can actually produce. Right. And right. so um, I think that there's going to be potentially something there. And then I think the Romeo Dub stuff is real. Like, I think that I do, too. I really yeah, do. Yeah, it's I. That, that I think is a big concern. And when, when you've got a potential rising star candidate that you don't have a lot of tape on. You know, I'm a little bit concerned about kind of what that could mean. I don't think that he's going to immediately turn into like a classic dominant wide receiver one, but I think it's a concern we have. I think, you know, we're we're probably not going to have to worry about that with Christian Watson, at least for week one. Maybe the next time the Vikings and Packers play, you know, that's something to think about. But, yeah, he went to NDSU, so I don't really have the highest hopes for him. <laughs> yeah, so it's probably not going to happen. He went to a fake school. Um, <laughs> there you go. Eric Thompson, you're listening to yeah, this. Yeah, right. But, um, you know, th- there is a bunch of wide receiver two talent on there, like a bunch of of players where if they're your second or wide receiver, receiver three. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair, yeah. Um, but where if if they're starting for you, you're not upset. You're just upset if they're your best player, right? Right. And I think Rodgers might be able to cobble something out of that and, and produce a passing game. Plus, but in week think, one? I think so, yeah. Okay. And, and especially, like, when you consider, like, Aaron Jones is a good pass-catching back. For sure. You consider that, you know, Robert Tanya, I think, is a super underrated tight end. Is he going to be healthy enough to play? I know there's been questions. Uh, I I mean, I, I think that he is. I think, okay. I think he's playing. Yeah, yeah, is he? Okay, yeah. I, I didn't um, see for sure. So. But, um, you know, th- those are players kind of on the periphery of these kinds of discussions that could do a lot of damage um, that, you know, I don't know how the Vikings match up with that sort of thing. Sure. Just, maybe it's just because of the, the trauma of dealing with all of these pass-catching backs that have done, you know, like your Tariq Cohens and your Theo Riddicks, like people that have no business producing as much as they do against the Vikings, doing it constantly year against after year. Against a different defense. Right, I'm just saying yeah. maybe it's kind of this – this memory where I'm overrating that sort sure, of thing. Sure, sure. Right? Oh, sure, sure. It's like um, trauma. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's like running quarterbacks, too. It's like I've seen enough running quarterbacks do damage against the Vikings. but I literally hate right? any time we play running quarterback. Right. Yeah. And it's it's like for the same reason, it's not logical, Just right? I think flashback to Josh Allen 
oh my leaping God, right. over Anthony Barr. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll wait until week two until that discussion, right? Because you got the Jalen Hurts coming in. Yeah. Well, or going. We're going there. I we're guess. going there, and then um, we have Kyler Murray later this year. Uh, I mean. Just throw some video games. Be there fine. you go. Yeah, right. just make sure to like pay Put Call of Duty. Duty. Yeah, right. Pay Call of Duty to do in double XP that week. Right, just have him show up for Phase Clan. He'll be fine. Um, no, I, I think that uh, there are some enough players in the periphery there that you'll you'll be able to see a pretty effective passing game. So I actually do have confidence in the Vikings' run defense. It's it's that that coverage unit that I'm just curious about, right? Because we don't have enough information on Cameron Bynum. We've even less information on Cameron Dancer. I don't know how Jordan Hicks fits in this defense. He was much better for the Eagles than he was for Arizona, right? And so I don't know how some of these important players in coverage will bear out. Um, plus, I mean, you always have to keep, you know, in the back of your mind, at some point, somebody like Harrison Smith or Eric Hendricks, probably not yet for Kendricks, but Harrison Smith may just kind of drop off a cliff at some point. Who knows when that's going to happen? And that's when Asamoah takes over. It's perfect timing. It's safety? Harrison Smith. Oh, Harrison. <laughs> God, I'm going to mute Eric Kendricks. Gosh. Are you listening what he's to, to what he's saying? I am. I thought he said Eric Hendricks. My <laughs> I mentioned him, and I said probably not yeah, him yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. But Harrison Smith, you know, they, at some point, that's or Patrick Peterson at some point. You know what? Off. Actually, I think Asimov could play safety. It's fine. I'm sure you think that. <laughs> I'm sure you think it. No, but uh, so we're talking keys to victory. How important is it going to be? Because I think the biggest strength probably for the Packers is the their pass rush. Yeah. And really so good. obviously it's going to be a keys to victory for us if our two bookend tackles can handle their two very stellar outside linebackers and then that internal push with our newfound Ed Ingram and, and whatnot. Do you think that they're up for the challenge? Um, I, I think that they'll do all right. I think that really the question mark is going to be can the Vikings exploit you know, Eric Stokes at outside cornerback. Can the Vikings take advantage of the fact that Russell Douglas hasn't played nickel all that much, right? Can they take advantage of the quick throws that might be available to them there to mitigate that pass rush? Because I don't know, when you when you match up like Kenny Clark against Garrett Bradbury or Dean Lowry against Ezra Cleveland, I think, I mean, I like Cleveland, but I, I just, I'm concerned about those matchups. Really concerned. Very concerned about Kenny Clark. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kenny Clark has consistently ruined Garrett Bradbury's day over and over and over. And I think it's going to happen again. Um, and and how they kind of deal with that is to get rid of the ball quickly. There's no other real way to deal with that. Um, and so it's it's exploiting those matchups that matter more than trying to figure out the best way for Garrett Bradbury to finally overcome his inability to handle nose tackles. Like, that's just right. not going to happen. It won't, yeah. Um, so that's the issue, right? I, I think that... Um, you know, Rashawn Gary up against uh, Brian O'Neill or, or Christian Derrissaw, there's obviously going to be huge opportunities there on either side of the ball because there's going to be a lot of talent uh, going against talent. You know, I think with Preston Smith um, is, is going to be playing probably 800, 900 snaps for them this year because um, they don't have a lot of depth, but the, right. the starter is really good. Um, that, that, I think, is probably a little bit more favorable to, to Brian O'Neill and Christian Derrissaw, but... I, I think that that is just not as big a concern for me as as that interior push. Sure. Okay. Good Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Dave, can you can you just get re- get get the music ready because we're going to shift over to uh, to what we do here to, to kind of round out the show with lightning round. And essentially, what it is is I will ask her, ask a series of over under questions and then some buy sell questions, and then we'll we'll wrap it up with some predictions. Miles is out here flaunting his auction draft here. Who did you get, at least? Who did you get? All right. 
I, mean, I guess it depends on how much you paid. It's an option draft. But, I mean, that doesn't sound too bad. He, yeah. he way overpaid for Devontae Adams, but that's all right. Okay. Anyway, um, but before we get to the lightning round, uh, Arif, what are you drinking here tonight at Lake Monster? Do you know? Uh, I think I got the milk stat. I don't know the name of their milk stat. It is delicious, though. Is it? Yeah. Um, Ryan, what are you drinking? Purple Rain. It's a sour. Um, that's phenomenal. And it came out a couple weeks ago. I've been wanting, I've been actually hoping you would drop one off on your way to work one of these mornings, but you, <laughs> you weren't able to do that. So uh, it's the first time having it, and it's absolutely delicious. Uh, and I am drinking a Depth Charge IPA here at Lake Monster. Classic. Minnesota or St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh my gosh. It is my favorite beer here at uh, Lake Monster. So anyway, back to lightning round and then wrap up the show. Dave, can you hit us out with the music? Can you hear? Here it is. I know we like came into the show and Reef was just on the best podcast ever. And then he I came still think the this, show. Is, this isn't it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was saying, I don't think he's too impressed today. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you or Reef on the, on the over under. So just quick yes or no. And then a short answer, but Kirk cousins has 300 passing yards on Sunday. His average against green Bay is 281 yards a game. So over under 281? Yep. Over. Okay. Over. For sure. Miles, are you in on this game or no? All right. No. No. Uh, The next over under, Aaron Rodgers, over under one interception. I guess it would technically be like .5. He's only had one interception versus the Vikings in the last five years. You know, I'm going to say he does have an interception. I don't know why. I just feel like it's gonna. I just feel like it's gonna be like a Harrison Smith. You know how Harrison Smith like right. gets that one interception that's like clutch. I just feel like it's gonna be that this game. Okay, real quick. So Eric Franzen is telling me I'm having the Murmur Milk Stout. So thanks, Eric Franzen, which I believe is the name. So. Eric Franzen's right there in oh, the okay. Ponder jersey. Hey, what's going on? Ponder Good jersey, <laughs> delicious. Um, not the Ponder jersey, the Milk Stout. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the. Uh, the interception thing is interesting because uh, Rodgers has a historical problem of requiring uh, extreme level of precision from his receivers. So a bunch of new receivers who don't have a lot of familiarity with him. Um, the receivers that do familiarity with him outside of Randall Cobb don't have good familiarity with him, right? Mario Rodgers is getting yelled at all the time. Um, so you could see uh, an interception as a product of like a miscommunication. You could see it as a product of like a pass deflection off of a drop or something like that. I think that's more likely than Aaron Rodgers like, throwing one right right um just a mistake right we got lucky yeah Yeah. Um, you know what's really funny is i just like i don't know why i just i'm gonna say it keep going and then arif just comes in with this nice explanation of exactly why it's gonna happen would be really funny if it happened because of a completely different third reason right (laughs) Right, right. yeah there's a lot of pressure in his face and they rotated the coverage and he just threw it right to harrison smith so yeah Yeah, there you go no um I, i think that that's possible i'm still gonna take the under though okay 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 um, the next over-under is Dalvin Cook, oh, oh, plus or minus 100 all-purpose yards. He averages 108 all-purpose. total all-purpose. All-purpose change. Uh, he does not do very well rushing against Green Bay, believe no. it or not. It's like, I think his average is like 64 yards a game. It's pretty bad. Um, so 100 all-purpose yards. I was going to take the under because I thought you were doing rushing yards. But, yeah, all-purpose, yeah. 
I think they're going to throw him the ball more. Um, so they're going to throw the ball more, and, and he's going to catch a couple more passes. Um, I projected him getting like one and a half more passes a game or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that this is kind of one of those games where you can have that opportunity. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to be able to run the ball all that well again. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a historic problem, especially against that front. But, yeah, I, I think it's there. So I'll take the over. I'm, I think I'm going to go with – I. I Got to keep agreeing with Arif. I mean, he's the smart one here, and and honestly, the way he explained that is absolutely perfect. I was going to take the over anyway, just because I do think sure. he's going to. Sure I, I do think that he's going to pop like a screen off for a big play, and right. and again, there, he was running you know plays out of the slot and things like that throughout the training camp and stuff, uh, just in you know doing different plays and things like that. So I do think that there's going to be an opportunity for him to definitely develop into that more pass okay. catching back that he hasn't been in the past. Okay. Um, switching over to buying or selling. So you just, you know, it's the age old skit. You just either believe it or you don't. Um, a lot of hype around Greg Joseph, this training camp. Are, <laughs> are you buying or selling that Greg Joseph be, could become an elite kicker this season? What, what is an elite kicker? Like, I don't. There's one elite kicker. Just, yeah, if, if we ignore the one confirmed, verified elite <laughs> kicker, I just, I don't know what that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, for for most definitions of elite, you know, yeah, sure, I'll buy it. Okay, okay. I think he'll be yard field goal. I think he'll be yeah. upper tier. I think he'll be upper tier for sure. Like I, I'm not gonna say elite because elite's weird, but okay. I think he'll be upper right. tier. Okay, okay. Um, are you buying or selling that Kirk Cousins can actually change under Kevin O'Connell? Oh my god. I, okay, so I just wrote this piece with uh, with my new. Colleague at the Athletic, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Um, who I don't know if you've read his uh, Kevin O'Connell piece yet. It's it on is, my bookmark. Oh, yeah. it's tremendous! It's fantastic. Now I get to learn what it's like to write. This is great. <laughs> no offense, Chad. <laughs> Love you, Chad. Uh, but uh, no, Alex is a great writer. I'm, I'm really excited to learn from him. But uh, we we wrote this piece on whether or not you know cousins can kind of change, right? And you know, past the age of like, was he 34 now? Mm-hmm. Past the age of 30, that's kind of a tall order, but we saw Alex Smith do it in a new offense, we, right? Yep. You know, I think we saw Carson Palmer do it a little bit in Arizona. We saw Ryan Tannehill do it um, with, with Tennessee. So it is possible, right? Past the age of 30 to do that sort of thing, um, which you know, reminder, Ryan Tannehill is really old. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's kind of hard to believe, but yeah. you know, he came out like what, like 25, 26 years old as a rookie or something like that. Yeah, so, he, yeah. he was old to start um, the Dolphins. So, um, you know, it, it is possible. And I think that some of the conversations that, you know, we've seen them have and, and that they've had with us kind of, te- kind of tells us that that Cousins to some degree will, but it won't, like he won't change his underlying philosophy, but how it kind of expresses itself on the field, you know, I, I, I think will make it kind of look like a change. And to explain what I mean, it's that Cousins, I've, I've long held this opinion, that Cousins kind of always, you know, colors inside the numbers, right? You know, he wants to have the answers to the test and those are the answers he's going to give. You know, he's not a very improvisational quarterback in that respect. You know, he uh, doesn't adapt to different, you know, situations all that well. Um, and, you know, we, we referenced the the Stephen Ruiz uh, Ringer piece on ranking quarterbacks. And one of the things is that they said that he is this generation's best system quarterback for better or worse, right? And I think that's still true. But if you design a system around ways to take advantage of really talented playmakers, it's good. it might potentially look like he is taking more chances. And I think one example of that is he, you know, one of the very first availabilities that he had with us, he said that, you know, he was going through his progressions and he declined a progression during OTAs or something like that. And, um, 
you know, O'Connell pulled him aside and he's like, hey, I want you to hold on to that progression a little bit longer. And with that look, I want you to actually take it. I think the answer to the test here is actually to throw uh, instead of, the, instead of to, to, you know, go into the other uh, areas of your progression. And if he does that, if, if essentially the, the lines in his coloring book change, it's going to look like he's a different artist, right? Yeah, sure. But um, He's just on a new picture. Right. He's just on a new picture. And yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. And I think that might result right in, uh, you know, bigger play opportunities. It might result in a couple more picks, but I think it might also result in, in a couple more touchdowns. And I think that we're going to see him take more chances. But I think that when we get back into kind of the two-minute drill stuff that, you know, we've been harping on him for for a long time, I think he's still probably going to be a pretty similar quarterback unless they design the plays in such a way that he just doesn't – he can't throw over the middle of the field because there's no routes there, right? right. Um, I, I think that that's kind of where you're going to see some of the old cousins kind of continuously rear its head. But, you know, I think when it comes to taking chances over the middle of the field or deep downfield or throwing contested catches and stuff like that, I think we might see some differences. So you're buying with like an asterisk next to it? Yeah. Okay. And that, like, let's just talk about the fantasy football or something, right? Where, where did that come from? Oh, that was, I think that's Dave. Alert. I think oh. it's Dave. Oh. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> that, that, that probably improves the the likelihood that you're going to see more opportunities for Jefferson, Thielen, and maybe even Osborne. Yeah, I think so. I think that because um, I wrote a piece a uh, week and a half ago, I think, about kind of how this changes fantasy projections for uh, the Vikings. Yeah. And one of the things I wrote is that Cousins is going to throw more picks but he's going to score more points both in the real world and in fantasy, right? Because right. they criminally underrate picks in fantasy. Yeah. Um, and this is why Eli Manning was always such a great value, you know? Like Bortles. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? Um, or Carson Palmer, too, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that we're going to see a lot more opportunities for someone like Justin Jefferson. What did Jefferson have, like 1,618, 1,618, 1,616 last year? Yeah. Yep. Um, and most fantasy projections have him around 1,500, which I think is fair because it's like regression. He might miss a couple of games that he didn't miss last year. But I think that there's just going to be more targets because there's more passing, and those targets are going to be deeper downfield, right? Sure. And so you're going to see a couple more yards. You're going to see more contested catch um, opportunities for him, which in college he was a contested catch maven. He was incredible at it, right. like 91%, I think, on contested catches. Um, in, in the NFL, that hasn't quite materialized yet. That's kind of one of the two areas of weaknesses that he still has, the other one being just kind of general red zone spatial awareness. Um, those I think uh, will result in, and I think some some pretty exciting numbers for not just Jefferson, but I think KJ Osborne. I've been talking him up kind of all off season, uh, and and Adam Thielen too. Do you think there is a real? And I'm sorry, I know we're going off of our it's lightning, lightning round, round, so My hurry bad. it up. All right, well, I we can get, I'll talk to him off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's muted in a, just a different fashion. Just right. cut him off. All right, th- so the last buy sell. Did you did you comment on the last one? By the way, can Kirk Cousins change yeah. under Kevin O'Connell? No. Okay. There we go. Finally. Cool. So okay to disagree. Answer. Okay, that, that, that's my answer. No. Okay. Oh. That's so all. So he's selling. It's, light, it. it's lightning round. Yeah. Uh, shut up. So, all right. The last one: buying or selling the fact that Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter can actually be dominant this season. Dominant? I don't. I don't think that. Like for example, the Vikings are going to be as dominant. fans expect it. I, yes, they do. I, I don't think they'll be as good as Hunter and Griffin at their peak. I don't think they'll be as good as, you know, like Watt and Dupree were together on the Steelers. I don't think they'll be as good as some of those really elite, um, you know, defensive end with like Averill and, and Bennett with Seattle, uh, Miller and pick a guy. Miller <laughs> I, and I, I don't think that they'll be as as dominant in, in that sense because I don't think that Darius Smith 
will have the capability to hit his 2019 totals mm-hmm. um, or his 2019 rates. Um, but I think that Hunter is going to return to kind of his extraordinary, you know, capability, his extraordinary rate of production is um, he looks physically like a very similar, if not the same kind of person. He's a really fantastic player. Smith does a lot of good things. He does them really well. Um, and it was really encouraging to see how well he did against, uh, you know, Trent Williams and, and the rest of that, that uh, San Francisco 49ers group in, in joint practices. But I think the long view to me is that Zedarius Smith happened to have an outlier season when he was a f- the, the first year he was with the Packers. If it had been the second year with the Packers or if he had been healthy and it had been last year or something like that, we would consider him to be kind of a 60-pressure player that produced 100 pressures in one season. That happens sometimes. It happened with Robert Quinn, right? And so I think that he's going to be an extremely good player. I think he's going to be very good. I don't think he's going to be a leader. I don't think he's going to be dominant. I think having someone like Hunter next to him and having that level of production is going to be really nice. I, I just don't think they're going to be dominant. So I guess sell, but I'm not like, pessimistic about them okay that's that's yeah. a fair i'd buy i'm gonna buy into it and in the re, and they, those are all very valid points and very good points uh, again to your point arif i think that daniel hunter is going to be able to return to his elite ish self that he is um i think harrison phillips is going to make a big difference for zedaria smith because when you have hunter on one side and you have harrison phillips in the middle that is creating just chaos in there demanding double teams, you're going to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities, I think, for Zadarius Smith. And if he can, again, just return to even 80% of his old self, I think that's going to turn out great returns for what he can do on this defense. Yeah, I, I will say this real quick before we get to our next one. How he does against the if, – if he does poorly against the Packers, I wouldn't change my projections for him one way or the other just sure. because of how elite that tackle unit is. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of going – like if he gets – you know, no sacks and just one pressure against the Packers, it wouldn't change it one way or the other, whether or not I was really high on him or really low on him. Sure. It's just a good group. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's actually it for the over-under buy. So, so the last one's just the prediction for, for this Sunday's game. So, Miles, do you want to give a prediction? Miles is checked out. Yeah, he, Miles just said, hey, my draft started. Screw you guys. Yeah. He, he was like mad or he like threw the phone at the table or something. I don't know what it's happened. It's because he paid like $60 for Devontae Adams. Like, what are you doing? He's not even going to defend no, himself that's not either. A bad price. Was it two hundred dollars? Right? Is the yeah? That's not bad. Sixty dollars? I don't. Oh wow, that's actually sixteen. Not bad, oh, yeah. good lord. Okay. Yeah. So all right. So uh, Dave, There's no way he has money if, left. Dave, if you want to come out for for the prediction here, and then we'll we'll fly <laughs> through it here. Um, being the uh, the optimistic man that I am, I do think the Vikings edge out a victory on Sunday. Uh, I think Vegas has the Packers favored by. Two and a half was the last I saw. Two and a half. It's like a point more than when I last checked, which admittedly was like two weeks ago. So I, I, I think I checked earlier this week, so it could have changed from Monday, uh, but I do think it was two and a half. But I am going to, uh, I'm going to go Vikings. I like doing some weird scores. Um, Nineteen sixteen. <laughs> that so, is a weird when, score. When you do a weird score, you have to tell us how it occurs. Otherwise, you don't get points for it. Okay. Um, well, a lot of field goals because, you know, Greg Joseph is right. elite now. Yeah, he's going to nail him from like 58. Yeah. Um, but I also just don't I, – I think that we're going to be underwhelmed with the offense on Sunday given how I, – I do think Green Bay's defense is really good. Yeah. Uh, but I do think the home field advantage will, will clutch, up and, clutch up enough for Greg Joseph to uh, kick a game-winning field goal from like a modest, I don't know, like 35. 
there'll be like a questionable pass interference sure. call that should have been at the one, but instead we're just gonna hang back and kick a field goal away. So uh, that's what I'll do. Nineteen sixteen. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, say so we'll save the best for last. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm gonna. I like to be real, but I Ryan crushed I, last season. I by did. The way. I did crush last season, but I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna go optimistic, and I'm gonna say we're gonna squeak out a win. Again, we're all talking about Greg Joseph being this elite mm-hmm. kicker now. Let's go, Arif's words, and. <laughs> Um, I, I'm going to say where he's going to he's going to hit a last second field goal. Kirk Cousins is going to be clutch for once and get us into field goal position. He did it a bunch last year, by the way. Yeah, that's continue. right. Twenty four, twenty one. We did yeah, say saving the best for last. So hold on, I got to put Dave in there. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Oh damn, Dave taking strays for well, no reason. Well, I mean, <laughs> sorry, Dave. Dave, Dave, what Dave what's your prediction? Vikings score 35. Packers, you're lucky to score 21. There we go, Dave. Wow. (laughs) All right. All right. Love it. Love it. All right, Arif, what's your prediction for Sunday's game? Um, So I did check. It was uh, the consensus right now is Packers one and a half. Um, Yeah. You know what? I'll um, I'll take me the Vikings are at home. Got a new offense. Who knows? There's a lot of unknowns. I'll take the Vikings. Wow. Actually, I was going to pick 24-21 Vikings. So, um, hey, we're but, just smart men. That's all. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> just trying to latch on. Um, but my my 24-21 is very boring. It's just like, yeah, that's pretty close to the average win uh, of most <laughs> NFL teams against most NFL teams. So uh, 24-21 Vikings. Um, I think that uh, KJ Osborne has kind of a second coming out party. Um, I think we're going to really see some interesting matchups with him and Eric Stokes. I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities there. And I think that... Well, Dalvin Cook will probably continue to struggle to run the ball. I think he'll nevertheless be productive as a receiver. Um, and I think the Vikings will, I don't know, really kind of demonstrate the value of an offensive head coach. Put it that way, I guess. Perfect. Let's yeah. go. Let's and go. you did take Dalvin over on the 100 all-purpose. Yeah, all-purpose. So that you think important. he's getting a lot of catches. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Or love just it. one big run. <laughs> just one big, yeah, yeah absolutely. 70-yard yeah. run with just like a 20-yard screen, 30-yard <laughs> screen. i got to get my math right. But um, – so before we let you go, Arif, and wrap up the show, uh, is there anything that you are working on that you'd like to share? I know you also are recently uh, the Vikings. I, I'm going to butcher the name. What's your new Locked On uh, Oh, the Minnesota podcast? Football Party. Minnesota Football Party. Great show, by the way. Um, but what else are you working on that, that you would like to Yeah, like, like I mentioned, um, just had a, just submitted an article to The Athletic about whether or not you know, Kirk Cousins can change his play style uh, and kind of – deal with the concerns about, you know, hey, he's this above average quarterback putting up elite numbers and that, you know, that that difference is really frustrating. Um, so that piece is up. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I just published a piece on how important CJ Ham is. I did see it. I have not um, read it. it I, I did not like it when I turned it in. I was just like, I got I got to write some stuff. So I'll just put it in. Uh, and everybody loves it. So it must be good. So uh, <laughs> I would You're recommend to write. Yeah, I recommend that people read that. And then after that, it's, you know, normal Packers previews going up at the Athletic. Um, I'm going to be interviewing Justice Mosqueda for the Norse Code podcast. Oh. That's always fun. We always yell at each other, and it's a good time. Perfect. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you can find that whatever podcasts are found. And if I'm not wrong, and I probably am because it might have expired, but are you guys running a promotion at The Athletic right now to get more subscribers in? Always. Always. Uh, yeah, there's always Like a dollar, a dollar a month for a year uh, or something like that? My understanding is that the, the current promotion is, and, and this is, don't hold me to this, but I believe it is a dollar a month for one year. 
and then pay whatever the normal it's worth like, 10 le- times legit that. worth way more than that there's yeah. so much good content you don't just get a reefs content which that's the most important but you get so much great content for all minnesota sports not just vikings well every every sport right if yeah. you, so like what you're an oklahoma fan you can find oklahoma football stuff i, I mean, can still read chat i mean stuff. i know oklahoma players okay so i'm totally joking <laughs> I can still read Chad Graff stuff, and I, I don't like reading about the Patriots whatsoever. You know, you can follow and unfollow specific authors in the app, right? That's <laughs> a function that the app has. I know, I know, but I like Chad too much. So, um, well, you guys are good to go. I'll wrap up the show with Dave if you want to go drink some beer. But uh, thank you again, Arif. If, if, let's give Arif a round of applause here coming in tonight. Look at that. It's a packed crowd here tonight. Thanks, Arif. Um, <laughs> well, uh, with that being said, thank you, everybody, in the chat for joining us tonight. Thank you for the people here live at Lake Monster joining us as well. If you have not yet, our goal at the end of the season is 4,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. We're almost halfway there. So if you are listening to this on the podcast or in the chat, please head over to Climb in the Pocket. Like, subscribe, um, make fake accounts, do whatever you have to do to get us to that number. I know I am. Um, that's all I have here tonight. Dave, our computer is apparently not plugged in. We're on a sliver of health here. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to need you to wrap the show up and then send us on our way. Well, personally, I want to thank Reef for coming tonight. I also want to thank Lake Monster Brewing for hosting us tonight. Another great night. Fantastic beer, it looks like, on your end. Arif, not only do you have locked on Minnesota with the round table and is Luke awake yet? Um, <laughs> you also have Daily Norseman at our partner um, Daily Norseman. You have Norse Code, which we love to hear every week, especially your takes on food and bees. Along with Vikings football. It is absolutely awesome. I can't mute him. He's the producer. Yeah, right. It's, you're done. <laughs> well, Appreciate it's it. true. If you want some great football talk, always Daily Norseman for your reading pleasure and for your listening pleasure where you get Norse code, you get Vikings report, and you get all of Climb in the Pocket, including Vikings Happy Hour tonight. Absolutely the best. And with that, we have two old bloggers on Saturday, me and Darren. We're going to break down this game on Sunday even more. And what do we say, guys? Skull Vikes. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>